three coaches gone in less than a month. Is that cause for concern? We're going to be joined by Mitch Wolf, who will tell us his thoughts on Boston College's coaching upheaval and a lot more on today's Locked On Boston College. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College. I am your host, AJ Black. Thank you all for listening. On today's show, we're joined by Mitch Wolf. Mitch, how's it going? Doing good. I'm probably not as happy as you were after that Super Bowl halftime show, given your musical affinities, but doing well otherwise. Oh, I marked out hard at that one. <laughs> I, I loved every moment of that, and I'm sure some of our fans that don't care for that music are probably going, AJ, shut up. But I, I when they announced that lineup, I was so excited because I saw back, it's going to age me for a bit. I saw Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, and Ice Cube back in 1999 when I was in high school mm. and um, at the Worcester Centrum. And it was one of the best concerts I've ever been to. Unfortunately, it was also indoors and it was called the Up and Smoke Tour. Oh, there and you go. <laughs> I was clean as a whistle back then. And we had, we, you know, high school kids bought the worst seats in the house all the way in the back. Well, all that smoke went up there and I don't remember any of the end of that show. So <laughs> I was, it was great to actually remember this one and, and to watch it. So I had fun with that, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about BC work, uh, co- BC's coaching uh, changes that have happened. So in the past month, Frank Signetti has ended up as the new offensive coordinator of Pitt. He was the Boston College's offensive coordinator, if you didn't remember. Matt Applebaum uh, ended up with the Miami Dolphins as an offensive line coach. And just two days ago, Joe Daly, BC's wide receiver coach, is now the wide receiver coach for the Carolina Panthers. Mitch, I've talked a little bit about this, but I like to get different perspectives. What are your thoughts about this move? And how do you feel like it, it kind of affects Boston College? So I try to not be quick to panic, hot take guy, you know, the sky is falling, all that kind of stuff. But I would say with all of these three moves taken in context, my, I, this is kind of like when your dog hears a truck at the end of the street and kind of just perks its ears. I'm not freaking out yet, but this is uh, my warning sign is up because I, I, I don't know. I don't think anything is really wrong. I'm just, you know, if, if things kind of take a weird turn, it might be we like be kind of able to point back to this time period, say, oh, okay, this might have been where the warning signs began. Because I'm not saying anything is bad, but losing three coaches in this short amount of time is a little strange. Granted, two of them are leaving for similar jobs at the NFL level, which is a big promotion. So that makes sense a lot. Um, Daily, especially, I think we both thought that he was a likely candidate for the offense coordinator position. So he might have felt that he kind of got passed over and he's like, well, I can go to the NFL and try my hand there. Although the Panthers might be a bit of a that might be a, a relatively sinking ship. I'm not sure how long that rule is for that job. But um, and then Signetti was a little stranger just because it's, it's almost a lateral move, maybe a slight increase, but he's going home. So that kind of makes sense. So individually, all the moves kind of make sense. I would say um, they're all, it's all disappointing to lose coaches like that, but it is a little concerning when you think about all three in the short amount of time, you're like, okay, why is everybody leaving right now? Of the three, in your opinion, which was the biggest um, loss for Boston college? I would probably have to say it's probably close between Signetti and Daly. I think I might lean 
daily because, you know, I, everybody had their issues with Signetti. You know, I was not as angry at him for various reasons, but so I would say daily uh, because, and that's, that's a big part of that is the recruiting aspect of it because he's, you know, he's been with this team for a while and he, like you mentioned, has that uh, base in recruiting New Jersey, which is extremely important for BC. So, you know, that I would say that's probably the, the biggest one in my mind. Now, I was talking, I was actually just on Locked on ACC. Check out my uh, discussion on BC women's lacrosse on tomorrow's Locked on ACC with Candace. Um, but I was also talking about how coaching stuff like this seems to be kind of the new norm in college mm-hmm. sports. Now, last year, Jeff Halfley talked quite a bit about how happy he was that the, the coaching staff basically just stayed intact and that he didn't lose anyone. Now it changes. Do you just... Is there a possibility this is just kind of the way football is and that's kind of just what happened with the Eagles? I think that is probably the more likely explanation because like you said, like the whole timeline of coaches leaving for other jobs is getting all messed up with how the recruiting period is. And obviously the NFL is kind of backing things up uh, with the, the way their schedule is working out. So that changes things. Um, and some NFL teams have to wait to interview coaches because they want to interview playoff coaches. So that's all kind of messed up. So I think, I think more than likely it is kind of just part of the trade granted to the two guys going to the NFL, one going, stay in college. So I think, like I said, I think that's more likely. I, I'm not, again, I'm not, I don't think the sky is falling with this. Um, I'll be interested to see who they bring in for both of those. I, I agree with you about promoting or uh, promoting, or I guess moving Rich Canal to wide receivers and then promoting Savon Huggins. And I feel like McNulty will also take over coaching quarterbacks in addition to offensive coordinator. Yeah. I think that's pretty much probably uh, a given at this point. Okay. Yeah. So then there still isn't a ton of turnover necessarily aside from once they hire the new offensive line coach. Um, So you have a lot of the same voices in the building, which I think at this point is still good. And honestly, you know, people kind of ragged on some of these coaches as the season went on, given the offensive ineptitude, but, you know, you have two position coaches getting hired by NFL teams. So I think that if anything, that's something to be proud of is you get these guys getting better, bigger and better jobs. Yeah. I think that's kind of what you hope for, right? Like mm-hmm. if you can't promote like Joe Daly, I'm sure, as you said, wanted to be an offensive coordinator and he didn't get that opportunity. <clears throat> I mean, it's kind of blocked now because McNulty's going to be here for two, three years, at least mm-hmm. unless he really tanks. So, you know, you, you, you go and take that new position I mean, Mitch, are you a little concerned that they have spring practice starting in two weeks and they don't have an offensive line coach and wide receivers coach right now? Yeah, well, the offensive line more so because you are breaking in four new starters, all of which are you you have one guy who's a redshirt freshman. You have uh, a bunch of other young guys who haven't played that much. So that is definitely concerning for me, and I'm sure that they're going to try to get that rectified more quickly than they did the other positions um, or at least the office coordinator position, because they need somebody there. And, you know, we've kind of both put out some feelers for names, but, you know, I, and this is something else I found in the research is that a lot of guys that, you know, you would kind of hope for being available, they are all in higher positions at the NFL level or even the college level. So, you know, for for Halfley and uh, McNulty and even Chudzinski to some extent, you know, they're quite well connected across the NFL and collegiate ranks, which at this point is almost a bit of a detriment because the guys that they would want to go after are already in better jobs and won't want to come down to BC. Yeah. I mean, I think this is where as Boston college fans, we're starting to see why um, 
there's, there's been a move a little bit towards like um, centralizing time, like making a timeline basically for like recruiting portals and things like that, transfer portals and things like that. Because right now, as you're seeing, it's just complete haywire. Everything's moving at a million miles an hour all at different times. And it does impact coaching searches. So it's, it's interesting to see that now, Mitch in a moment, We'll have you chat a little bit. I want to talk to you a little bit about offensive line coaches because you had an interesting article up on BC Bulletin. And I want to get your thoughts on some of the candidates that uh, you brought up. Now, even in, in at Boston College, before we get into the next segment, uh, just even in the, the athletic department, there's been a ton of moves. Uh, Anthony Garo, who is a uh, graphic designer, who if you ever follow any of BC sports um, on Twitter, he does amazing work. He went to Oregon for like, I think two or three years is back at Boston College. Now, Brent Greenberg, who is another guy that does a lot of the, the graphics, he's leaving. He's in, he's going to Duke. So you see, even at, even at the at administration level and doing some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, there's lots of movement. And you'll notice this kind of stuff. Like, yeah, you're like, who cares? But, like, these guys, like, some of the cool graphics you saw, like, I believe it was Brent that did the Phil Jakovic um, back letter. Uh, they they're all behind all that kind of stuff. It's it, it's all big news for that kind of thing. So it that kind of coaching changes happen everywhere. But we'll be talking a little bit in a second about offensive line coaches. But this is the time of year that I've been pretty much giving up on all my New Year's resolutions. But not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right. Thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like I'm not. It's not really a res- resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of the best Built Bars because it's the best tasting. They're low calorie, high protein, and replace your candy bars with these, they are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. A Bilt Bar has 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, you're not gonna eat that, and 17 grams of protein, it's gonna keep you filled up. And they have some great flavors, including mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They're all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. If you think a flavor might be good, they'll make it. It will be delicious and it will be good for you. So head over to built.com and use promo code lock15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code lock15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, this is AJ Black. I'm the editor and publisher of BC Bulletin. I'm joined by Mitch Wolf, who is our writer and he does a whole bunch of other work. We'll hear a little bit about that in a moment. But we're talking about offensive line coaches and he had an article up on BC bulletin about some potential coordinators, uh, connect, uh, sorry, coaches that could come to Boston college. Now, when you came up with your offensive coordinator positions, it, McNulty, I don't believe ever came up in your conversation. Did it kind of came out? Oh, a lot. <clears throat> nope. Missed on that one. <laughs> that, it's not, okay. Did not find his name because the thing about that I've noticed with the way that Halfley hires his coach is that, you really want to look for two things. You want to look for that they have worked together for at least one season and they ideally also have NFL experience. So Halfley values that pretty highly. I think he values, you know, the technical aspect of getting guys who have coached at the highest level. And obviously he wants to work with some, he wants to work with somebody that he knows, you know, decently well for the most part. Right. So that's why guys like Mark Colombo, who was a name I threw out might not be the best fit. Um, yeah. Or the other, I you mentioned some other giants offensive linemen that, you know, he has, I mean, I, you mentioned guys are chairless and I, I don't know if he was on the Buccaneers when half of it was the coach there. So like, maybe that's an outside shot. Oh um, yeah. Let me see. Uh, they actually, I don't think they overlapped. Nope. Uh, I think they were like one year off. It looks like, um, so 
not no connections there. So yeah, he, I, he's not going to hire guys who, you know, at least Colombo, you know, he does have some coaching experience, but he doesn't really know Halfley. So I don't think he would make that move. So, yeah. So some of the names that you brought up, I thought were really interesting. Now, one name that you brought up, I'm going to give you a little context background because I talked as you, if you've listened to this podcast, you know, I have some connections with some people who cover Notre Dame and you brought up a former Notre Dame offensive line coach who uh, I got a lot of warning uh, alarm bells from my Notre Dame buddy who said, do not hire him. And who was that? That's uh, Jeff Quinn, who uh, was recently let go by Notre Dame because his predecessor, Harry Highstand, who's a legendary NFL, who's a legendary offensive line coach, uh, came out of retirement to return to Notre Dame. And Highstand was key in the recruiting and development of guys like Quentin Nelson, Zach Martin, Mike McGlinchey, who are you know very good NFL starters now, and they all played at Notre Dame. So uh, and Quinn had worked under high stand uh, during some time at Notre Dame. And he's very close with Brian Kelly. So if I had to imagine, he'll probably end up at LSU because of that relationship. But I was thinking that maybe uh, BC would go after him. This guy doesn't really have uh, as much of a connection to uh, Halfley. It's more about John McNulty, the new offensive coordinator, because they worked together at Notre Dame. Uh, but I was like, oh, like Notre Dame's still been developing offensive line pretty well. But uh, it seems, according to the Notre Dame sources, that it would still be not a very good move. Yeah. So what were some of the, you mentioned an Ohio State uh, coordinator. Talk a little bit about him. Yeah. So that's Greg Stadrawa, who uh, was also recently just let go and he was replaced by BC, uh, former BC offensive line coach Justin Fry. Um, and he's been at Ohio State for the last six years and he was previously at LSU for six or seven years and helped them get to two BCS national title games. Uh, and, you know, with that kind of resume, you think, oh, that's weird that he's let go. And I think it's just because Ryan Day wanted to, you know, get his own guys in the building, kind of cycle out the Urban Meyer guys, especially after the uh, uh, Urban Meyer's last eight <laughs> months, let's call it that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I still think Stadrow would be really good. I mean, he's developed a ton of guys that got to the NFL. He's from Ohio, which is a really fertile recruiting ground for BC. And, you know, I, I heard some feedback that, you know, he might, he kind of fall, maybe uh, not fallen off, but, you know, he wasn't, maybe wasn't recruiting as well as of late. Um, but you know, I think recruiting at Ohio state recruiting at BC are very, very different things. So, you know, if you need to take a step back in your recruiting, like going to BC is not, I obviously want them to recruit well, but, you know, recruiting against the likes of, you know, Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, Michigan is different than recruiting against, you know, uh, above average ACC schools. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you don't have to get the five stars at Boston. Yeah. We, yeah, we, I think we can all agree on that at least, you know, it's, yeah. it's not a, not a slight at anybody. It's just that, you know, Ohio state is one of the, the five best programs in college football and BC is not exactly. And what were some of, were there any other names that stuck out to you, Mitch? Yeah. The, I would say the one that's kind of outside the box would be, um, Pete Ross Amando, who is the offensive line coach for the Charlotte 49ers, which is a college football team. Uh, and he is connected to McNulty due to their time at Rutgers during McNulty's second tenure there. But Ross Mandos, he's from Staten Island. He played football at BU and he's uh, coached at Northeastern and he was the head coach at New Haven and Central Connecticut. So he's really tied in to the New England area, which, you know, again, like BC already has that pretty well, you know, they're pretty locked in on those areas, but it you know, can't hurt to get another guy there, uh, especially a guy with maybe some more New York, New Jersey ties. So, he he's only connected to McNulty. So again, that would be a one degree of separation from Halfley there, but he's kind of an outside hire and, you know, Charlotte isn't, it's an up and coming F or G five program, but you know, for a guy like Ross Amando to jump up from, I think they're in the CUSA to getting up to 
the ACC would be a big get for him. So he's, he's kind of an outside the box when I would keep an eye on. Yeah. So thank you for getting us looking into some of those names. Now, are we predicting that it's going to be someone that no one's even talking about? Probably. I mean, it's like, you know, it's the guys we mentioned on the field. I would, t- I would bet on the field, you know, just, just yep. for statistics sake. Um, but I mean, like I said, like a lot of the guys I looked into, like they are either kind of retired. So I kind of took them off the list because they were like, right, they're probably a lot of, and some of these guys are like just getting up there in age. They might not want to come out of retirement just to, you know, be an offensive line coach. Cause it is a lot of work or they haven't coached in college for a very long time. They've been pro coaches. So they might, you know, they don't really have as much experience in that area. Uh, but like, you know, the guy like uh, Bob Bostad, the linebackers coach at Wisconsin, you mentioned, you know, that I, he came up on my list, uh, my research as well. But then I was like that, that linebackers coach is a really good gig at Wisconsin. Yep. Um, and even though he does have an offensive line background, so not sure he would want to, you know, kind of, you know, take a, at best a lateral move to just go back to his roots. Um, right. So, but yeah, I mean, it'll probably be somebody that we never brought up once. <laughs> <laughs> that uh halfway coached with the WPI and yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some, some dude from Siena that I've never heard of. All right. So Mitch, thank you for joining us today. Where, where can people find your work? You can find me at Mitchell T Wolf, W O L F E on Twitter. Uh, that's where I'm posting my work for the BC website and other sites. I just published a scouting report for uh, sauce Gardner, the Cincinnati corner at around the block.com. And the funny thing about researching some of these prospects for scouting reports is I get to be disappointed when BC was in on recruiting them, but didn't offer them, which was the case with the mod Gardner, who was one of the best cornerbacks in college football and will most likely be a top 15 pick in this draft. So uh, if you want to learn more about him, you can check out that scouting report. And again, just follow me on Twitter at Mitchell T Wolf W O L F E. All right. Thanks Mitch. In a moment, we'll go around the horn and talk a little bit about all the news from Boston college sports. Football may be over, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn about the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. This is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black here. It was great having Mitch on. Now let's get into a little bit of some of the news around Boston College sports that you're going to want to know about. BC women's basketball won again on Tuesday, defeating Pitt to sweep the season series. They won 69-57, a game they fell behind early and were down as much as 9 points. They came storming back and easily took care of business against Pitt. Now, as I said on a previous episode, they they are still like kind of on the edge of being a bubble team. They need to really start pulling off some wins. Beating Pitt, a team that had lost four in a row before this, that's something you need to do. You, you kind of hope they would do it a little bit more convincingly, but a win's a win. Now, they get Florida State next at, on Thursday, and then they have a game against Wake Forest on Sunday. So they get three games in less than a week. Uh, so a big turnaround. Uh, Florida State is on the road, so you want to see uh, BC go out there and have a big win because that's what they're going to need to do if they're going to really make that run. They can't keep piling on losses. So they are now 16-9. and 17-9 would look really good. Well, let's see how they do. And finally, since we're talking about women's sports, big game today at noon in Amherst as BC women's uh, lacrosse faces off against the UMass Minute Women in women's lacrosse. Uh, they're the number 21 team in the, the league. This is another big another big game for Boston College. This is on the road, so it's not in the friendly confines of the Fish Fieldhouse. 
can Charlotte North do it against a team that's very good again? I mean, this team it looks really great. Caitlin Mossman had those three goals. Bell Smith had three goals. Charlotte North had a million points in their last game against Northwestern, eight points. But I'm being a little facetious here. But big game for them uh, against a, a bitter in in-state rival for any of them. You know, I'm not sure if the women's lacrosse team is a bitter in-state rival, but two ranked teams, that's a good good matchup. Game is on, I believe, ACC Network, so if you want to check that out, check your local uh, local cable guide to see if you can find it. Now, on tomorrow's show, we'll wrap up our, com- our some more conversations about coaching. We'll have any news that breaks on BC Sports. We'll talk about everything in between. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at AJBlack underscore BC. You can find the site, bcbolton.com. Make sure you hit that star button on your uh, if you're using Chrome to make sure you have that as a favorite. And make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow us at BC Bulletin, at AJBlack underscore BC. And also as a goodness, goodies there uh, for BC sports fans. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you again soon. Take care.